0: Hey guys, it's Adam and Terrence of the Dollar Bend. Terrence, say hello. Hello. Okay, and uh, <laughs> we are here with with artist Paul Mayberry.
1: Hey, how's it going? Let's see. There's a lot that uh, Terrence, you put this together. I mean, I, I've uh, met and hung out with Paul at, like at multiple conventions, mostly Heroes Cons, and he's been you know making a lot of moves lately as far as uh, you know his art showing up in a lot of books. So I figured. It was a really good time to get him on. He's one of my favorites, anyway. So I figured we should uh, we should definitely have a good chat with him. It's because I don't see I don't see a whole lot of other places talking to him, and he definitely should be getting that kind of press.
0: I'll tell you though, I, I I looked at uh, I looked at your Wikipedia real quick, Paul, before we called in for the minimal research that I do. And I uh, oh, no.
1: <laughs>
0: well that, there was uh, there was like six or seven interviews. That's most of your Wikipedia page, I think, is links to interviews with you.
2: Oh well, they're all from 2005. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> I, I don't like to read other people's interviews because then you know I won't ask questions. I'll be like, I already read that. Why do I need to ask him? I'd rather get no, it. straight. it's been from it's been a while. Well, that's crazy because uh, you've know, got a lot of stuff right now.
2: It's funny. I did like I did a ton of interviews, but they weren't about comics because I um I had a bit of Whole Foods controversy back in
3: 2008
2: uh, and. uh... <laughs> it ended up on like boing boing and all these other websites but that's kind of the extent of my my internet (laughs) fame
0: well let's i want to talk about your comics so (laughs) great
1: thank you (laughs) exactly that's why that's why i thought we should have you on because your (laughs) comics speak for themselves they're incredible
0: first off right now currently uh your book on the shelf that you're involved in is catalyst
1: right right with joe
2: casey and dan McGaid and ulysses arenas
0: yeah how did that come about
2: Uh, that one was kind of funny because, um, I guess it's been long enough to say that originally it was Joe Casey and I were going to do Magnus, the robot fighter for Dark Horse. And, uh, I spent quite a bit of time designing that book and, uh, getting all that material ready, but, uh, Dark Horse parted ways with, uh, whoever had the license. And I, yeah. I think those books are actually just coming out now because it was, it was sort of a toss up between doing Magnus the robot fighter and Turok the dinosaur hunter. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. I actually really wanted to draw both. <laughs> so I was a little, <laughs> little disappointed, but I think my art was a little too different from what they had in mind. So that whole thing dissolved. And, um, then we learned that Dark Horse was going to sort of revive their superhero line. So a few things are floated past me like ghosts. Or the possibility of doing X, but um, I think I mm. kind of got bumped over to uh, doing this Comics Greatest world mine and uh, yeah, <laughs> I, it was honestly just sort of waiting around for a year. And when they finally said, "Okay, go," I was just—I didn't ask questions; I was just really just start working.
0: So you're working on in, in the Catalyst Comics. It's kind of like it's—I guess it's like an anthology where it's all written by Joe Casey and drawn by other artists.
2: Yeah. So the way it works is. All three stories are written by Joe. In each issue, there's a lead, which is a little bit longer than the other two uh, stories, and we alternate every three issues. Four, five, and six for my character, Amazing Grace, I took the lead. And uh, now that the series is winding down, I'm doing the backups, or I'll probably end up drawing the uh, the very last story of the series.
1: Did you guys rotate on covers on that as well?
2: No. Well, they did have rotating covers with Raphael Grandpa, Paul Pope, and uh, Brendan McCarthy.
1: Okay. And
2: they, they all took turns uh, drawing each character. So when I was the lead, uh, everybody took turns drawing the Amazing Grace character, which is pretty pretty cool. <laughs> that's
0: that that's cool. Okay, because like, I've been reading uh, Catalyst, and actually, I've got up to number five. So I'm, I guess I'm an issue behind now. Two? Issue? Yeah. A few. Actually, actually uh, Xbox really? is the last... uh, Okay. I got to catch up then. Uh, (laughs) But um, (laughs) yeah, when I was reading it, uh, I, I, you know, so obviously I put together that it's a bunch of uh, stories and the amazing grace, like I got to the one issue and that's when I kind of realized that they were moving around and it hurt my brain a little bit, but I was able to kind of piece it back together. But uh, so I guess the lead story is twice as many pages as the other stories.
3: Correct. Yeah.
0: So when you're working on this, are you getting like monthly, like monthly scripts, or were you given the whole story and just started working on it?
2: I got them as monthly scripts. Joe's sort of a mysterious writer, so I'm not not that I'm going to give any spoilers, but um, it ended up being a time travel story uh-huh. in some ways. Yeah, and I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> <So there> are- <laughs> <laughs> there are all sorts of uh, challenges going into that one, and also I had no idea what was going on in Daniel Ulysses stories. Yeah, you know, I, until I got the comp copies in the mail. So there's actually some back and forth in our stories too. So it it's pretty crazy. I'm I'm looking forward to reading the whole thing when it's done in trade paperback form, just because even I as a creator <laughs> had a hard time keeping everything straight.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's actually, and that's one of the reasons why. I ended up kind of holding off after issue five is because I was just going to get the rest of them and do a sit down and just kind of read the whole thing because it is a lot to take in with the multiple stories and everything. And I was really hoping that they were going to cross over and whatnot.
2: There's a little bit of crossover. I mean, I, you know, I haven't seen the last few issues. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. So with, I guess like uh, the first three issues, you did sev- seven page stories or no, yeah, seven page. And then you yeah, did three yeah. issues of 14 page and then you're going back to seven page, I guess, is what you're, what it is. Correct. I, that seems like a, a, as an artist, that seems like a kind of a difficult way to work where one month you're doing a seven page story and then you're doing a seven page and then a 14. I mean, how do you schedule that?
2: Well, I just. <laughs> It, it, it was a little extra complicated because I was actually drawing another series at the same time,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but the, I, I think the hardest part about it, honestly, was starting out with such a low page count for the first few issues,
3: yeah. because mm-hmm. for me,
2: I'm a little bit of a slow starter and it takes me a while to get into the <laughs> groove of drawing all the characters. And especially, like I mentioned, I month to month, I wasn't really sure who was going to pop up, so sometimes I would have to be on my toes when I was designing sort of a throwaway <laughs> character because they one of them ended up being one of the major villains oh. and I, uh, I I designed this really hard to draw guy <laughs> Just stuck with him <laughs> so um, yeah that series is a trip I'm um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to just sort of reflecting on it once it's all once it's all over. It's really hard for me to look at my work right after I do it. It, it yeah. takes me a while, and I I don't even own a copy of my very first graphic novel. I, <laughs> I still can't look at it.
0: It's just it's just hard for you because I guess uh, you you think you can do better. You want to touch it up when you're looking at it,
2: right? And I just I just I remember all the roadblocks. I can't <laughs> I can't see it outside of myself. I guess it's a shame. I, I should probably read Aqualung again. <laughs>
0: I think we'll we'll end up getting to that in a second. I did want to also talk about your book that you have coming out, which is uh, one of the things that, since uh, Catalyst is wrapping up, this is one of the things that we want to promote as well for you. And that's the book you got with Chris Roberson, Sovereign?
2: Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that actually comes out next month, just as Catalyst wraps up, which is kind of nice timing. That one, I started around the same time as Catalyst, and I'm actually done with the first arc, but... Uh, we're just kind of sitting around to see what the uh, the numbers are like, I guess, to see um, what our next move is or how many more issues we're going to do. But uh, I'm fairly optimistic about that one. It's it's a pretty cool cool series, especially for for people that are looking for maybe a book that isn't a sci fi book from Image.
1: Yeah, I agree. It kind of, it looks like it's got sort of a fantasy element to it. Can you kind of give us the elevator pitch or rundown for for what the book's actually yeah, about?
2: It's sort of an ensemble cast story. It follows about three different sets of characters. So there's three chapters for every issue. And they're they're different lengths. It's not just a rigid, you know, story structure, but it's very much based on that uh, sixteenth century, seventeenth century India. Mm-hmm. You know, we have people from England coming over and uh sort of the political conflicts at, at first. And uh there's magic and there's demons and there's all kinds of crazy stuff, but it's it's all under the surface for the first few issues, and people's powers start awakening, and it becomes almost like a superhero book a few issues in. But uh it, it, it'll it be interesting to see what people think. Especially, obviously, Game of Thrones is the number one fantasy thing I can think of. <laughs> and uh, we we tried really hard to sort of steer clear of uh, a lot of similarities. Yeah, I, I just didn't want it to feel like I don't know. I, I don't know about you guys, but. I tend to not like a lot of fantasy comics, (laughs) or modern fantasy comics. They all they all kind of look the same. So we're
1: Uh, we're very conscious,
2: right? We're we're very conscious of just how it's presented, and especially in the colors. I I ended up coloring the first couple issues myself and trying to try to get more of a cinematic feel. And there's no sort of green matrixy Lord of the Rings tints over everything. (laughs) it, It should feel colorful and vibrant.
0: I think I've liked everything I've ever read by Chris Roberson. So uh, this is definitely something between Chris Roberson and and your artwork. It's something that I I know I'm going to be getting. It's I think it's it's been a while now since Chris Roberson's had something on the shelves. It's since probably is Eye Zombie the last thing. I mean, right. has he had anything on the shelves in a while?
2: I don't think so. I mean, he's been focusing a lot of his efforts on Monkey Brain. Yeah. So right. those books, like Edison Rex, I think, uh, has a print version coming out. And I, I think it's coming out through IDW, but I'm not 100% on that. yeah But yeah, um, so the, he is writing a lot of books. And I think he writes a lot of books for Dynamite, mm. so a lot of licensed stuff like uh, Doc Savage and Mass.
0: Okay. Well, it's gonna, it's definitely going to be cool to see you guys on the shelf. Um, it's cool that you're having a book. Like, basically, you have a book on the shelf almost at all times with this picking up right after Catalyst lets out. That's cool.
2: It's been really fun, because when I started uh, working in comics, it was sort of during the graphic novel boom, and most of my work came in that form. Yeah. So I'm used to working on something for about a year and having nothing out, and then there's one <laughs> month where people see my work, and then I disappear for another year, which I think has been actually kind of hard to build up momentum as a comic book artist.
0: One of the things when I was getting ready to, for the interview and everything, I was going through... Like the list of, like, okay, what all, what all have you worked on? And as it turns out, you've worked on a lot of the comics that I own. What are the, <laughs> one of the things that I noticed is a lot of your work is that either anthology work or, you know, parts of a book. Like even like Blue Estate, which is a solid story, you did part, like it's, it's made up of different artists and Catalyst is, all, is like an anthology. Why all the anthology work?
2: I think uh, in, in my case, It's actually just random. Really? Uh, (laughs) I had a little bit of a stall out. I mean, I I hate to keep bringing Aqualung up, but (laughs) it uh, it was a little bit of a disaster. Yeah. And my career definitely um, stalled out a little bit. So sometimes, like friends of mine, like Nathan Fox, will sort of tell somebody to hire me here or there, and I end up on little projects. Yeah. But uh, it's really mostly about me trying to shoehorn in as much work as I can while I sort of prepare a larger project. And I yeah. I like to do anthologies because one of the things that I try to do with every project is sort of switch my style up. Yeah. And they act as a sort of a testing ground I guess to um, sort of shed my shell and try something new.
0: When I was going through the list, and I was and and I read that you had worked on Blue Estate, I, I had to go pull out my Blue Estates because I remember picking up Blue Estate and just seeing like the list of artists on there, knowing that I was familiar with and liked every artist that was listed in this book. But it's so seamless, like the art changes, like you can kind of tell subtly when they change from one artist to another. And I actually had trouble kind of picking yours out.
2: If if you if you blinked, <laughs> you probably would have missed me. My well, I was the artist on it for a little bit and then I wasn't. Yeah. And then I was the colorist on the book for a little bit oh, and really? then I wasn't.
0: Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm trying to decide how much I could say. I signed an NDA, so I'm oh. always worried about these things. Oh wow, uh, okay, a, but,
1: okay. Well Pesky but MBAs. uh no, I mean that that
2: was <laughs> yeah. a cool project. And it it was actually one of the very first times that I didn't get to color my own work. Yeah. Which is very strange. Even if I'm not credited as the colorist, I've, I've worked on all of my colors. And, uh, I think with, with my art in particular, I think that I'm an incredibly hard, uh, artist <laughs> to color. So, it, you know, that, that's why Blue's bait is so seamless is just because Victor had a hand in pretty much every single detail. Yeah. And that was the first time that I had to use Google SketchUp as well, which was right.
0: crazy. I did, I, noticed, I did notice that Like um, a lot of times when you're the artist on a book, it, ju- it doesn't list a colorist, it'll list just you as the artist.
2: Right. right. Well, I've, I've only worked with a handful of colorists. I worked with Russ Lowry on Aqualung and uh, Brad Simpson on Catalyst Comics. And uh, Brad Simpson is actually coming on to Color Sovereign starting on issue three, oh, that's
3: which will be great. really
2: cool. Nice. Um, I couldn't keep up with coloring the series myself, so we already had a pretty good rapport from working on Catalyst.
0: Okay, so so Brad Simpson actually colors all of the art and Catalyst for all the stories.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, that's pretty I, diverse um, style too. <laughs> that's got to be a crazy job. I yeah. know he's coloring Ulysses. I would want to murder that dude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah.
2: yeah, he he deserves a lot of props for sure.
0: Yeah. Wow. So is the, uh, the Aqualung discussion, has that played out?
2: No, I mean, it, it was one of those things where it was so misreported. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say that, you know, we had a fallen out. There was all sorts of crazy things going on. And Mark had a little bit of a of blowout publicly online. But uh, when I read all the headlines, it just said, uh, you know, creators feuding. But <laughs> I actually didn't say anything. <laughs> so for years, I've just sort of been like, "Well, you know, it, it ended." But with that book, th- my biggest regret is just that I feel kind of like I let retailers down hmm. because it was book one of a series, yeah. and it was uh-huh. actually doing pretty okay. So I, you know, I, I don't know what happens to the last of those books that never, never really turned a profit, and I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure there's boxes of them sitting around somewhere.
1: Me and my brother um, are actually really big fans of the book, but I had heard and I try to kind of like steer away from a lot of the sort of like gossip, I guess, or whatever. But, you know, <laughs> it comes up in it comes up in circles that, you know, that book wasn't like the greatest experience for you. And we were just kind of, I guess, wondering if that's soured you on comics at all or was it one of those things where it's like, all right, well, I mean, this is kind of how things happen sometimes and and I just got to get over it and move on.
2: I think this scenario was pretty extreme and it definitely did. I mean, I I stopped drawing comics for a while. I went and worked construction and did all sorts of other jobs. Wow. Without saying too much. It it was to the point where I was sort of being harassed for about a year. My unborn children were threatened. Hmm. It it got pretty wild. (laughs) So, yeah, and it, it was just sort of a toxic, uh, thing to be attached to. Yeah. So I, I took some time off and I, I actually took a couple of weird jobs. I, I took on two graphic novels at once that were kind of, I didn't think anybody was going to see them, but then they both came out. One was Dogs of Mars. <laughs> the other was a book called Eat That Frog, which is like an educational graphic novel. <laughs> and I used those to sort of whip myself back into shape and, um, to get myself ready for projects like Sovereign and Catalyst Comics. So yeah. I feel very fortunate that I've, I've sort of been given a little bit of a second chance to uh, pick myself back up and
0: do some new work. Do you think the Aqualong experience uh, strengthened kind of your resolve and and kind of made you a little bit more uh, business savvy to the comics industry?
2: Yeah, definitely. I guess when i I was pretty naive when I first started working in comics and I had an incredibly easy time just walking right into image. I don't even know how that happened. Like, my my second project ever with Image, and they've been publishing my work sort of off and on for almost a decade now. But then again, working with Image, they're so hands-off. It's almost like I still don't really know how comics are made. <laughs> I still don't. I don't really talk to that many people. Like, the guy I talk to the most, I guess, is Joe Casey. It's just about questions that I have, or Ivan Brandon, or, you yeah. know, someone who, who will give me a little bit of advice. Yeah. And and you know, what's even weirder is I, I had one experience with Marvel and for whatever, you know, people's beef is with Marvel, I that was like the greatest job I ever had. Now <laughs> my editor was so nice.
0: Well, granted, your experience, uh, you're you were are you talking about you're talking about Strange Tales, right? Correct. Okay, well your editor was Jody Lahoop and he's an awesome dude.
2: <laughs> oh no, he's the best, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
0: so you were very fortunate to be working with Jody. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think I just walked into sort of a dream opportunity because not only did I get to write my own Spider-Man story, I got to ink it, color it myself, and I hand-lettered it.
0: Yeah. And there it's was a, it's very
2: little uh, editorial uh, <laughs> involvement other than, you know, Jody actually had good input and, you know, talked me out of dedicating a whole page to <laughs> a joke about a rat. <laughs> and uh had me, you know, throw in Sandman and Doctor Octopus and some other cool characters. Yeah, that's so that, that story's hilarious. A, really-
0: it's a really good story. I really enjoyed that one. I love those strange okay. tales.
2: Um, yeah, yeah I, guess, I wish they'd uh, I wish they do a volume three.
0: Well, I guess I guess from what I know, the, the champion on that was Jody, and he's over Valiant now, so <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's kind yeah, of unfortunate for for that because I loved it. Adam from the future checking in to correct Adam from Interview Pastime. Jody LaHoop is no longer at Valiant Comics. He uh, stepped down so that he could focus on his writing. So keep an eye out for Jody LaHoop, written comics. Back to the program. One other thing I want to talk about books, and then I want to talk about uh, your history and your style with with art and everything. That is, you were also in the um, comic book tattoo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you did the Tori Amos song. I think you did Crucify.
2: 'Cause um well I came onto that project kinda late. Yeah. And there were two songs left that I could pick. <laughs> and it was Crucify or uh Me and My Gun, I think it was. Okay. And that's the that's the really loaded song. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'd have taken know, Crucify but... too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Although I did I did something pretty personal on Crucify. Yeah. Um And I don't don't do a lot of personal work, it feels like. So I I actually really enjoyed that project.
1: I thought Uh, it was interesting because, like, because, you know, Crucify, there was a video for that, obviously. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like one of the bigger, like, I guess, release songs that came out Mm -hmm. from her. Mm -hmm. And how do you not take any, you know, influence at all from, I guess, that being a big single, you know?
2: I think, uh, I mean, at, at the time, I actually had something on my mind. And I just tried to take just the name of the song and, um, spin it into my own story, which was to crucify myself, I guess. Right. Um, I, it's very vague, but I, I went through a very, uh, weird breakup. And, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of crazy things happen to me. Like I, I had a girl that, uh, told me she had cancer and didn't. All right. And, uh, <laughs> oh like God. I, like I, I, you know, I was, I was depressed. I also have um, depression and anxiety. And so part of that story was about how I was on medication and then I started kind of getting a little wild and just, I feel like I mistreated some people or it, it, uh, basically the effect it has on me is it just turns off, uh, something in my brain emotionally where I, I'm a way different, different dude. And, uh, yeah. that story is mostly about me going off my medication called Turkey. And, uh, oh. yeah, I, 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 <clears throat> It's a, I don't know if you know much about it, but when you do that, you get these weird zaps.
3: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's almost
2: like you're sitting there and you get these like intense zaps on your brain. And, uh, when I came out on the other side of all of that, I just sort of saw everything a little bit more clearly and was able to realize that I had made a lot of big mistakes with people. So I just, I kind of, I kind of used that one short story to make peace with all of that. And, uh, but like I said, that is probably my only uh, (laughs) personal work that I've ever done.
0: So one more piece of artwork that I wanted to talk about real quick. I think the first time I was familiar and I associated you with art. The first time that I was like, okay, okay, now I'm familiar with Paul Mayberry is the Indie Island shirt you did for Heroes Con. Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> I wear that thing all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was fun. I kind of begged Rico to let me do a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh, yeah. In the island, the, probably the, one of the biggest things that ever happened to me. Yeah. Uh, most <laughs> most of my success, I think, comes from just going to heroes. Honestly. Wow. They were the first show to ever give me a table, and I, I don't even know how it happened. Uh, the first the first time I even realized I had a table, I was just walking around the con, and uh, <laughs> Dustin was like, "Why aren't you at your table?" And I was like, "You gave me a table," and it turns out there was just some guy. There's some guy squatting at a table. <laughs> And so I went over to talk to him. I was like, hey, you know, this, this is supposed to be mine. And then he told me, well, you know, I kind of made friends with everybody here. So, you know, it looks like there's an empty table down that way. You want to sit up over there. And so I just, like, I walked away for maybe one minute. And then I turned back around. And I was like, nah, dude, you got to pack it up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You're like, hold on, I'm on a map. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, if we're if we're starting from the beginning of Paul Mayberry, how'd you get into comics? It
2: was the first thing I ever wanted to do as a job. Yeah, and uh, it's the only thing I ever really stepped to. Before I actually was working as a comic book artist, I was working as a muralist in Boston. Mayor Menino had this program. It was like a subdivision of this thing called the Red Shirts, which they had to change because of uh, gang issues. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, these kids in red shirts would just, you know, have summer jobs and pick up garbage. And there was a very small division where they would have these graffiti artists teach kids how to paint murals over vandalized walls. And the, the thought process behind that is that, you know, if you replace art with art, most people are pretty respectful of that. And it's a free service to, you know, whatever the owner of the building uh, has, like if, if it's a bakery or, you, you know, whatever, Seven yeah. Eleven. So that was really cool. And I got to apprentice under a lot of different painters. And that was really fundamental in just shaping me as a colorist as well. And pretty early on, my one of my dad's best friends, his cousin was Ed McGinnis. Okay. And uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Ed lived in Ed lived in Quincy at the time, so I <laughs> would go uh, talk to him, and he actually gave me a bunch of his old Superman scripts. And uh, I forget what run it was. It was the one where the cover had Superman, and it was almost like a like a playing card, and it had Bizarro on the opposite.
1: Oh, it was the uh, like the Emperor Joker stuff.
2: Yeah. So he gave me uh, his original scripts from that. And that's back in the day when people were still using fax. So it has, you know, <laughs> his notes to the writer back and forth. And uh, he would do his layouts and all that stuff on the actual margins of the, the scripts. Huh. So I had all of that was probably the biggest thing that ever happened to me, because that really informed how you even go about sort of taking a script and turning it into a comic. And, you know, he actually gave it to me saying, don't read the comic, just draw this and then I'll sit with you and we'll go over it together and we'll compare it to what I did. And, uh, oh, man. you know, I was a kid, so I totally flaked. And <laughs> I never did it.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, so I was going to ask if there's a bunch of uh, Paul Mayberry uh, re- redo scripts.
3: <laughs> or, yeah.
2: No. Um,
1: stories. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I still oh, wow. think about doing it, because I, I, I still haven't read that comic. <laughs> <laughs> so I, can still, I can still do it.
0: I, I actually, like... um. <laughs> I was looking at your um, on your Tumblr, and you had, like a, I think, was it a, a, one of the covers that you had redone, that you kind of reimagined?
2: Uh, the uh, the Daredevil. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. The Man-Thing. The Man-Thing yeah, Man one. Yeah, I saw that on there.
2: <laughs> that was actually really fun, and I, I don't play around with uh, superheroes very often. Yeah. Not because not I don't like them, but for whatever reason, I just, actually, I was talking about it this morning, I sort of fell out of love with comics somewhere in the 90s, because I, I couldn't take... I couldn't take walking into a comic book store. <laughs> I in Boston it was this New England comics chain. New England comics was the Tick, okay, which uh, was very popular in the '90s because the TV series and the, the cartoon. Yeah. But uh, those guys, <laughs> they hired <laughs> the biggest jerks to run those stores. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, no, yeah, I, I got turned off from comics, and I just started falling in love with wrestling or anime or whatever else I was interested in,
3: I'm and with I you. didn't
2: come back. Until Joe Mad did Battle Chasers, and mm. someone let me read that. And um, <laughs> it's a funny thing because my style doesn't really resemble any of that. <laughs> but Battle Chasers introduced me to going online and signing up to forums. Yeah. And uh, from being on forums, I found my way over to the Wizard Forum, and then that quickly shut down. And I ended up on Penciljack. And uh, pencil jack is how I know Robert Kirkman, Tony Moore, and Carrie Randolph, yeah. and uh, Nate Belgard, and a bunch of other people.
1: I remember those forums. Actually, I remember pencil jack. I was like, I was on there, sort of a lurker for a long time. <laughs> well, I mean, because pencil jack was chock full of like artists that were incredible, but like hadn't. Oh yeah. You know, like you said at the time, like Nate wasn't necessarily a you know he wasn't nowhere men Nate. You know what I mean? And, and Kirkman at that point even wasn't you know Walking Dead Kirkman.
2: Right. Yeah, because he has a Funcitron forum, and uh, and Matt Roberts, Matt Roberts is doing a uh, Manifest Destiny. was yeah guy that came from there?
0: Were you like in doing art and everything in high school and in middle school and all that stuff?
2: I was. I um, I had I, I almost dropped out of high school to be perfectly honest. I didn't have much of an education going into high school. Like uh, my parents kind of took me in and out of schools. I never went to the same school like twice, and. uh It was sort of, I I guess that's what helped me spend more time to draw because I just, uh, you know, make friends if you're always bouncing around. I looked it up recently. My, my old middle school was shut down. There's a school in Roxbury called the Lewis. And I remember my math class and my computer class. We had the same exact teacher in the same room. And all I can remember is this guy, Mr. Downing, reading the Boston Herald and uh, sitting in front of a computer that was unplugged. (laughs) And I didn't even know which class I was actually in. (laughs) But, uh, you know, love my parents, but they made a few mistakes along the way. Like, they they accidentally, out of an effort to give me a better education, they sent me to a private school, but they didn't realize that it was a Scientologist school. Hmm.
0: Oh! Interesting. So I accidentally went to a Scientologist school for a year,
2: (laughs) which was, you know... Even as a kid, I was like, this is all kind of bullshit. <laughs> but, you know, I got to say, I learned a lot while I was yeah. there. And I actually learned so much that by the time I went back to high school, I got real lazy because I was so cocky. Uh. And uh, that's when I started making, like, little mini-comics. and just of doing my own thing. But, yeah, I um, where I was going with that is my high school Education was so jacked up that when I was going to graduate uh, my senior year of high school, my transcripts had been lost. Okay. So I was, I was applying to college. I was applying to Mass College of Art. Yeah. And uh, my guidance counselor uh, called me in, and she's like, Hey, like, did you go to school before this? And I was <laughs> like, Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, yeah, nobody nobody could find my transcripts, so I had to go to City Hall. And to sort of argue with them and so they gave me what was fair because i didn't keep my report cards. so what was fair is something right down the middle which is c's across the board so try to go to college with the right. average
0: right so I, oh. I i
2: was of course uh, rejected from every school and uh that's how my comic career started because i started working in a music store and i was just chucking cassette tapes and cds and inking my first comics on the side at the store
0: that's one of and the craziest damn uh, stories of... I ever heard.
2: <laughs> Sorry, it's a long-winded story. But it...
0: <laughs> that is crazy. I've never it's heard of that really happening ever.
2: Events. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you know, the nice thing is like, now with the Internet, you can sort of catch up on all the education that you missed.
0: Yeah. I uh, i didn't even know that could be a thing. Yeah. Wow. That's... wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so do you have any formal training as an artist? Mm, other
2: than just sort of apprenticing under
1: some painters, uh, no. Huh. Well, you do a damn good job. I know, exactly. Okay. What, what what would you say is like, or uh, are, are like the, I guess the major sort of influences on, on your style? Because you mentioned manga and a few things earlier, and while that's not like 100,000%, you know, evident in, in the work that you do, it's you, it at least, you know, influenced or, or informed a little bit of what you do on the page. Right.
2: I guess my influence is... They shift every year, but like I said, I, nothing against superhero comics, but they they just never really came into the equation. Like, I found manga really early on. Like, I, I found this one comic called uh, What's Michael, <laughs> which is a manga just about a cat. About the cats? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it, like, it blew my mind. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, because prior to that, it was all... Spider-Man, Superman, and I—I I didn't realize that you could just make a comic about cats. <laughs> I mean, there's Garfield, but it's not—not not quite the same thing. And uh, so, yeah, it's just been a lot of manga, and then um, a lot of European comics. And the one comic, like, I lied. There, you know, there was your gap for sure when I didn't read comics, but there was one that I did follow, and that was uh, Yusagio Jimbo.
1: Okay, oh, nice. And
2: I—I I build a lot of my storytelling chops just based off studying Stan Sakai. But uh you know, I also just thinking that I was gonna be a painter for a long time, I you know, I studied a lot of art and I this is everybody's favorite, but I'm you know, a huge Picasso fan and that informs a lot of my work as well. Especially when um I get to do it a little bit, but uh catalyst comics I get to abstract a little bit. Yeah. You know, other than that, it's just everything else. It's music, movies, and that's what really energizes my art.
1: As far as like you know your early gigs, because you you may, you basically said Aqualong was pretty much the second major thing that you did, and probably the first thing you pitched, if I'm not mistaken. What were you doing prior to that? Were you doing like smaller companies, or w- what was happening prior to Aqualong?
2: So the way it worked out was I did one comic, like I did a backup for a comic that wasn't wasn't really for a major publisher. I'm not going to say what it is because it's really terrible. <laughs> so I did that that okay. one comic which was about smelling farts on a train.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> like, okay. I
2: didn't I didn't write it, okay. <laughs> but uh <laughs> that happened. And then um I think there was a strange opportunity to work with Harvey Picar. Okay. And uh nice. that didn't quite work out. I think uh-huh. I lost that big to uh Matt Kent. So I, I just sort of I joined Activate, that's what it was, with Dean Haspiel and Dan Goldman and uh Fife. And a, mm-hmm. a bunch of other, Ulysses, a bunch of people that I know now. And so I was doing a webcomic called Party Bear, which was oddly enough co-created, I think, by uh, Michael DeForge, oh, or cool. I've known Michael DeForge since he was 13.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. I love uh, his stuff too.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I did Party Bear and I could not get that published anywhere. So I actually abandoned it about 70 pages in and uh, started doing, I think I filled in for Jim Mafood on put the book back on the shelf. Cause he didn't have time to do it with Mark Smith. And that was, a uh, sort of like the comic book tattoo anthology, but it was an Eric Stevenson, uh, edited book, which was a tribute to a band called Bell and Sebastian.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I remember hearing about that book. Yeah.
2: And that's actually, that was, that was one of my favorite anthologies I've ever done. It's a, it's a really oh. solid book, but uh, that was my very first experience with image. And like I said, I just, I literally just slid right in. Uh, there was no, I've never pitched to them. I've still, I've, to this day, I've never pitched to them. Everything I've ever done, someone just says, hey, do you want to do this? And then, and of course, uh, and even Dogs of Mars was, not to get too off track, but that was me just kind of showing it to Eric Larson because I hadn't done anything in a long time. I was like, hey, guys, you know, there's new comics on Comicology. You should read it. And uh, Eric Larson just, in two seconds, got to publish an image. <laughs> <laughs> so Party Bear was a failed book. And then... Almost right after I did put the book back on the shelf, we just said the image that we were going to do Aqualung, and I just started it. But mm-hmm. I, th- I think things are a little bit more complicated these days at Image.
0: Uh, I mean, I guess you can still get invited to just be an artist on a book.
2: <laughs> I <guess laughs> yeah, still yeah I mean, it's actually, it's a good thing and a bad thing, because it's so easy to just say, oh yeah, let me just jump on this thing. I don't have to wait around for people to get back to me, and, but... I'm guilty of working with writers over and over again when really I'm my own creator and I have my own stories to tell. Yeah. But I feel like the older you get and the more financially dependent you become on, you know, when's the next job? I can't be unemployed for three months or it gets more and more complicated. So yeah. I'm hoping personally in 2015 to just start writing again.
0: Okay, yeah, because I was going to ask, I mean, you see, you talk a lot about um, about writing and, and drawing and doing kind of your own work, and a lot of what is out there is a, a few of the anthology pieces that you've done all of it, but it does seem like a lot of it is um, you drawing on other people's stories. But you, you kind of, so you do want to look more toward uh, being a full creator of a, of a piece of work more than uh, an artist on other people's stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, it would definitely, here's the thing about working with writers, I personally love it because it forces me to grow in ways that I just wouldn't uh, on my own. And working with guys like Joe Casey, his scripts are insane. And (laughs) I have to really take into account how much space I need for dialogue, some pages, 12 panels, time travel, and you don't even know it. And all of (laughs) (laughs) of these things make you a more well-rounded creator. And I like the idea of this sort of grinding yourself up and reinventing yourself over and over again so I I really do like the collaboration process and ultimately it is helping me get to the point where I'm going to feel comfortable enough to to execute my own scripts so yeah I'm not I'm definitely not hating on working with other people but I could see myself just taking job after job and if I don't break free of it soon Mm. I'm going to be 40 by the time
0: I do my first book. Okay sorry to interrupt it's me future Adam again we uh, went a little off the rails there, kind of gabbed and gabbed. I may end up posting it in a future show, but for now, I'm doing a pretty rough cut here. And uh, we're going to come back in to Terrence just not not being able to get over the fact that dude tried to kick Paul out of his Heroes Con table. And we go a little bit more into... Well, you'll hear. I'll g- Just listen.
1: Told you to <laughs> I just love that he told you to go away. He like, was like, "Alright." No. <laughs> he was very. That's the most balls day, I've I ever seen exhibited by somebody.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, I guess there is a spot over there. Oh man,
1: <laughs> wait a minute. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess if you look
2: at me, like I, I've got a friendly face, I guess.
0: So <laughs> it's worth a shot. He's <laughs> like, hey, bro, this is my spot now. <laughs> wow, that's so funny. <laughs> so you've, uh, have. Have you hit HeroesCon every year since then?
2: Yeah, I haven't missed a year, even when I wasn't really doing anything. I just, I just made myself go just to <laughs> keep up with everyone and sort of stay in it. Because it, if I if I didn't show up to conventions, it, it'd be very easy to fall off people's radar. Yeah. But I don't know. Do do you even need to go to San Diego Comic Con anymore? I'm I'm literally down to just Heroes and Comic Palooza in Houston. Yeah. And. uh it hasn't really damaged my career not showing up to new york or california.
0: Yeah, I think the only things i can think of for something like that, i mean like the huge thing i think for a comic artist and conventions is just networking and like 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 rubbing elbows with the other creators and stuff. You seem like you've kind of already done that and uh i mean like you know I, in, in san diego comic con you're you're just like another fish in the pond, you know. I don't know. Yeah,
2: exactly. I I went, I went in, um, 2010, I think, or, it might have been
3: 2011.
2: Yeah. It was a weird, uh, I, I, keep forgetting about this, but I, I worked for DC very briefly, doing mm-hmm. this, uh, Zuda yeah, competition. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, uh, I was actually, my comic was pretty popular, but, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll talk shit about it now, but the guy <laughs> that won was the game in the system. So, oh. <laughs> my comic, which was like almost number one, dropped. Like overnight, down to you know last, and uh, so did uh, Gabriel Hardman's comic because we were in the same competition. And his comic, I've you know I've never seen this guy again. It, it was just <laughs> sort of a silly thing. And uh, my my comic, Maxi J Millionaire, was like, yeah. popular enough. Where it got invited back actually, but I just declined to to huh. do it. And I think Zuda it no longer exists, right?
0: Yeah, I don't think so. It was like That's was 100%. it like? Uh, well, I'm trying to like remember. Like, was it like one of those vote online things?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. sort of like an
1: American Idol comic
0: yeah situation. Like, I guess I guess was it uh, were they printed or was it online? comics i
1: think it was all online it was online that's what
0: i thought okay i I vaguely remember that i think i voted in that i have no idea i can't remember any of it though i don't
1: think they've done it since like 2010 or 2011 though no i don't think so i'm gonna have to
0: i'm have to look up and see if i can remember who i voted what i I don't even remember what the books were
1: yeah that was one of the few
2: things i did sort of uh right after Aqualong had ended and i was trying to go to san diego comic con to uh spark my career again but
0: I mean, there's just so there's so much going on there. I mean, like with the internet now, and like having your work kind of show for itself, and having other creators say, "Hey, I've worked with Paul; he's he's good to work with." I mean, I think that's I think that's more than going to things like San Diego and stuff. Uh, to me, from what yeah. I can tell.
2: I mean, here's the thing: like the the real secret is just being a nice person. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. As
2: long as you're not like a complete a complete jerk, like I don't know. I have I've been really lucky to have guys like uh, Guy Davis champion my work yeah. and mm. show it to editors at Dark Horse and I i don't know it, it it really just stems from being nice to guy and hanging out <laughs> and yeah. going to dinner and yeah I don't know I, re- I really I have no idea what it's like to actually break into comics I, <laughs> I feel like it slid <laughs> right in
0: I don't know like I think like that's that's kind of a natural way of getting into comics nowadays, it seems, is just kind of being there and being recognized and being remembered. And, you know, of course, having a portfolio that backs up who you are as a person, I think that's, that's a lot to do with it nowadays.
2: I think so. And funny about the portfolios is that I've actually never even done a portfolio review yeah, or asked anyone to, to really look at my work. And actually, Ed McGinnis, when he first looked at my work, you know, he, he was honest with me and told me, um, you know, I should probably go do something else.
0: <laughs> Your style's a little <laughs> different than his. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: But, uh, you know, that stuff never, I don't know. Yeah. I, guess, I guess if you're that easily defeated by a portfolio review, you're just not meant to do comics anyway. But what I was yeah. going to say is I, I have interns now, or I, I did have interns for a while. And mm-hmm. uh, just, just watching them, you know, they're <laughs> early 20s creators. And uh, it's all about Twitter, and it's just yeah. all about their Tumblr and doing webcomics. And, you know, some of them aren't even thinking about publishers. They're just doing yeah. their own thing. And, you know, by the time they have a large enough following, they might not even need to get a print. When I was trying to give them advice, I felt really obsolete, or I just didn't. <laughs> it's just a whole other game. And, uh, you know, some of them are female creators, and uh, their webcomics and their whole scene. I mean, completely different.
3: Yeah. Totally different
2: conventions. I, I love it. Like I wish I could, I could sort of jump into doing web comics myself again and and really devote my time to just doing two pages a week and <laughs> having yeah. a nice little update.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you seem to update your Tumblr uh, quite quite regularly
2: and that's that's thanks to my interns too cuz they really got on my case. I <laughs> <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, I was going to ask like um like I looked at like you know your Tumblr is updated pretty regularly. Uh, your your uh, your website's pretty solid. I mean, do you manage your website or does someone else take care of that for you? Uh
2: yeah, I, I do all that stuff. I just need uh prodding, I guess. <laughs> I need someone to say, "Hey, you should probably think about Instagram." And, you know, I'll, I'll fight it for about four months and then I'll just cave. And now I'm on Instagram bothering everyone. But, uh, yeah, the, the website the website stuff has gotten a lot easier, too. Like, I just use Flavors.me. I think I just copied Bean Trip. And, uh, yeah, I, I think all a website needs to be now is just the hub for wherever you're hosting your art on various sites.
0: Yeah, links to Tumblr, links to DeviantArt, <laughs> yep. things like that, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, which is essentially
0: all mine is. It's just got a, you know, a nice mask to it. Yeah, I saw your, uh, your, um, when I was like, okay, let's see what, what, uh, Paul's worked on. And it's basically, it's like the link to either Comic Vine or the Comic book Database. <laughs> 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 I was and, like, uh, yeah,
2: there's, you're right. I've I've done a lot of anthology work. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to make sense of all of it. And there's there's a lot of stuff that isn't even mentioned there.
0: Oh uh, yeah, and that's uh, and that's what I was kind of wondering. I was like looking at. It, I was like, well, you know, I was like, he's linking to these sites, so I'm guessing they're covering everything. But still not, huh?
2: <laughs> no, I mean, there's some older stuff. I think like uh, Neil Vokes was a guy I met pretty early on, and Mike Oming, and they they sort of hooked me up on this anthology called uh, The Wicked West. Okay, and uh, that. That was one of my early works and there there's a ton of image stuff. Like Pratt Comics I did with Eric Larson.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Twisted Savage Dragon Funnies with T Fay. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess we can kind of close things out a little. You got Catalysts is wrapping up. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Sovereign coming out. When when's that? March? Uh, March
2: nineteenth is the first issue.
0: March nineteenth, and that's with you and Chris Roberson. Well cool. And are you on the list for HeroesCon yet this year?
2: I was just announced.
0: Okay, so like, uh, yeah, I know he made a pretty solid, he made a pretty good announcement last week or something with a bunch of guys for Andy Ireland It was
2: Yeah, it was like a, a mega announcement. With yeah. Like
0: 10,000 characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. It,
2: yeah, other than doing Heroes, I'm going to uh, do Comic Palooza in Houston okay. on Memorial Day weekend, and that's expanded to a four-day show. Oh, wow. And uh, Four days. I'm actually um, putting together a bit of the programming, and I'm trying to... Uh, oh, cool throw together a pretty interesting panel and uh working on working on maybe doing something like a kids artist alley yes so like
0: for for like for like kid friendly art or for actual kids as the artist yeah (laughs) as the artist that's cool yeah Um,
2: it's in the very very early stages but uh, that show has been really receptive to my ideas and my input so we're going to try to do something cool
0: that's 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 awesome i mean like at a lot of the shows um now uh, Rico's daughter Izzy's been setting up, so she's been rocking out some sketches at some smaller shows.
2: I think it's great. And, you know, I think that kids need to have maybe a designated space because, uh, not not to keep the conversation going too much longer. But no, it's fine. I, I, I love it. I distinctly remember going, uh, maybe I was at Heroes, but it was Jeff Darrow was set up. Yeah. And he was sitting next to Mike Mignola, and uh, Jeff Darrow's daughter was there. And there is a huge line for uh, Darrow yeah. and um, I just remember she had her art and she had her own portfolio on the table and <laughs> these guys in line were just drawing their comics on top of her stuff you oh. know trying to organize it mm, you know getting ready to get signed yeah and so i don't know this <laughs> just kind of bugged me so i remember uh picking this guy's comics up, handing them to him, and then I bought some of her art. Yeah. And her art that's is cool. amazing. Like it's, it's totally different from her father's, which is pretty impressive, Yeah, I think. But yeah, I mean, if she had a larger space that was more designated to her, I, I think people would buy her stuff just like people would buy anybody in Arts Sally stuff.
0: No, I think that's a great idea. Um, I never even... Wow, that's actually... That's a great idea. I love, I love that kind of stuff. Like when... Like I say like when Izzy, when Rico's daughter sets up... I mean, she does dollar sketches, you know, <laughs> and she'll and she'll yep. she pulls in some money, you know, it's a dollar to get a cute sketch from uh from Izzy. I'm all for it. I've got like four yeah, or five sketches I mean, from her now.
2: <laughs> a dollar, a dollar is
1: something. Like, yeah, you know, and for her, that's it's great value on your work. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, like moreover, like it teaches kids that art can be a profession too. like, <laughs> it, it's weird, like with all the schools, you know, all these schools are cutting off these art programs and things like that. And, you know, people aren't being encouraged to go into the arts as, as professionals. And I think that's something like that. I know it would get my kids to get, <laughs> get out and <laughs> hang out and draw a little bit more. I like know, they know. like drawing with me, but something like, like where I can point to it and say, Hey, you know, if you ever want to get into you know the cartooning or, or go, get into the animation world, you know, you should probably start drawing some more. If you want to get into comic books and be an artist, you should probably start drawing some more. I think having something set up like that at a show is, is beneficial to the future of the medium, honestly.
2: All right. And, and even going beyond that, without without saying too much, I'm um, laying the groundwork for an app that will uh, host kids comics. That's uh, cool.
1: awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so, you know, they'll get paid for them, too, more, more importantly. Yeah. But yeah, that I'm <clears throat> I'm also considering uh starting some classes here in Austin, because, you know, I'm a I'm a comic book artist and I just I have all this time on my hands. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Man, uh gosh. Okay. Wow, that's that's a really cool idea, man. I'm actually I'm working I'm helping out with uh they're they're putting together a local convention here in Greenville, South Carolina, uh S C Comic Con. And I'm trying to all help right. out and give them a bunch of ideas and I'm trying to I'm hoping to be able to put a bunch of the panels together and handle a lot of that, but I, I kind of want to steal your idea. I'm not gonna this year. I want to see how you, I want to I'll, 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 see how yours works out, and let you uh, be like, "Oh man, did you see that thing they did at this convention?" I'm totally gonna take that idea. So I'll let you do. I'll let you, no, do, I, it. I'll I let hope, you do it I first. People, uh,
2: <laughs> I, I'd love to see it at every convention.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I, I want. I, 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 uh, I like to see how that goes. Like that's definitely something I want to give a shot.
2: And I think now more than ever, uh, there's just been. I, it's partially due to Adventure Time. And now, uh, yeah. and boom, really, you know, really capitalizing on it. But I just think there's a ton of great comics for kids that aren't stupid.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, I agree. You know, I've, I've seen you numerous times at, um, Heroes Con. I've never had a chance to, or I never got around to talking to you. I'm really glad we got to, to have this, this conversation and everything. And I've again, thank you, Terrence, for jumping on this. No, I, great. I mean,
1: thanks Paul for, for, you know, I've been trying to put this together forever and, yeah, you know, every single time I do it, I'm like, hey, man, we should do blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, <laughs> oh, God, I've got a kid on the way uh, and stuff right. like that. So
2: didn't I owe you some artwork for like a year?
1: <laughs> like, wasn't I supposed to finish the oh. storm and then I just never did it? Dude, it was crazy. Like we we did a, like, a, you know, we, we set up a commission at Heroes. And yeah. I know Paul was busy at the time. And I was like, well, you know, you just whatever you get to it, man, just let me know what's up. And then he finally did it, and I was like, "Yes!" And he was like, "Man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That it took forever." I was like, "Whatever, man. It's a, like honestly, Paul, it's it, you have to get used to the wait. Like as a as a person that like buys art all the time, if you if you are impatient, that's how you end up with shitty artwork in your collection."
2: Well, you know, I actually stopped doing commissions just because I I got so many people griping at me. Oh wow! Uh really? I think one. Yeah, I did this one shade commission. Like, I've never read the comic, so I didn't really know much about it. Yeah. But this guy just got real particular, and he wanted me to draw it on DC paper. <laughs> like, oh. like, I don't know, it, and I ended up doing it three times over.
0: And oh I God! Happy. See uh, that. I, 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 Man.
2: Like, screw it. like I only do them at conventions now.
0: Cause That's the, now. See, like, Terrence. I mean, ah, oh, gee, okay, go ahead, Terrence.
1: <laughs> what I was going to say is. It's your right to tell people that you're not going to do it, because a lot of these guys that that are in the collecting game or whatever like fancy themselves as art directors as well, which <laughs> is just ridiculous. Like uh, I just don't understand the concept of being so particular about this stuff, man. It's like this person is an artist. Oh. Like let their let them have their vision about it, man.
2: I, I realize we're um, I'm running out of time here, but there there was a. Yeah. Here's the thing that nobody knows about me that actually they should know. And if you ever come up to me at a show and you think I'm a jerk cause I won't shake your hands it's cause I can't, I have a, I have a nerve problem in my hands. So, you know, the problem with that guy and the commissions is my, my pages get real ratty because I have a hyperhydrosis or a form of hyperhydrosis. So oh my God. if I'm, if I'm anxious, like my hands sweat, yeah. but I actually have a really severe case where I break out into hives if people shake my hands huh. and, oh, uh, wow. I get like almost, uh, it's almost like you have like the toy buzzer and you're like zapping my hand. Like my nerves are so overreactive. So
1: uh, this is going to sound like super weird, but I totally identify because like I got, I had it, I had it where I had to have shots. Like I had to take the, the shots in my hands for that. So oh, the Botox? Yeah. Like to turn the nerves yeah. off just because they would start sweating so much. It was ridiculous. I I did that all throughout okay. high school.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's probably shaped my life more than anything. I just always forget to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first thing you, you do when you meet someone is shake their hand. And, yeah. uh, you know, if, if comics is about building relationships and networking, I mean, yeah. you're instantly in a disadvantage because you've got to try to explain this reason why you can't shake their hand or God. shake their hand and like watch them sneer at you. I mean, I, uh-huh. I have so many uh-huh. stories about, comic creators that I love, just kind of like yelling at me about it.
0: <laughs> wow. How, how do you feel about hugging?
2: Uh, you know, I was hugging people for a while, and I remember hugging this girl, and she turned to me, and then she's like, you know, I like handshakes, too. And I was like, oh, yeah, they, they just manage that. Oh. Or, uh, you know, I'm going to blow up Jim, Jim Rugg's spot here. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> I, you know, I went to go say, hey, what's up, Jim? And, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm from a, a city, I guess. I yeah. Don't know what you call it, but you know, I used to give people that back in the day. Yeah. But it's not you know, I don't know what I don't know what happened somewhere. Maybe it's after the movie Juno, but everybody <laughs> likes to explode the rock on me now. Yeah. And so I was just like I didn't mean it like that. I was like, Hey, what's up, Jim? And I've known Jim for a while. And he just looked at my hand and he's like, I don't do that. <laughs> You know, I you know I explained my problem. He's like, oh, I can roll that. He's a nice guy, but but, stuff like that happens to me all the time.
0: Yeah, totally, Uh, totally fist bumping
1: (laughs) Jim the next time I see him. um, Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, That's incredible. Uh, I don't do that.
0: I don't know. Uh, I (laughs) I think I think uh, I think Jim listens to us on occasion. Oh yeah, I think so. Well,
2: you know, it's it's not just Jim. <laughs> I think it's just a natural reaction. People are real yeah. weird about how you greet them.
0: Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, Paul
2: Pope got mad at me because I wouldn't shake his hand.
3: Wow. Whoops.
2: <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, I, I got to do a comic about it or explain it because I've already been talking about it for five minutes and I still don't feel like I've explained it quite well.
1: I get it. <laughs> uh, I can I can certainly do a sidebar on hyperhidrosis if yeah. you want. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow.
3: Oh,
2: it sucks.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's brutal. Uh, so
2: next time you see me, you can you can give me dap, but like yeah, you know, it's up to you if you want to explode the rock on me. Like <laughs> I'm not offended, but
0: <laughs> you know, it's definitely not my intent. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was going to talk to you about uh, shitty commission requests, but uh, <laughs> we did <stopped laughs> the handshake. Commission requests? <laughs> well, I mean, it's like you were kind of talking about that, and I was just like, I don't know, just the whole idea. Of asking someone, a particular artist, like, hey, Paul Mayberry, like, I need you to draw this. I know it's not like what you normally do or what your style is or what you're comfortable doing, but I specifically want this. And for some reason, I'm asking you to do it. I don't understand yeah. that at all. <laughs>
1: hey, Paul Mayberry, can you, uh, you know, draw this for me? But don't use your own style. <laughs> that's Like, yeah, why that's would somebody do that? that? Me. Yeah. I
2: actually feel really bad doing commissions because all the ones on comic Guard fans are terrible. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's, it's Only the bad ones that get posted. Actually, you're, you're the one that owns the best commissions from me, I think, because you have two storms for me, right?
1: I have two incredible storms. <laughs> and what's great is like, they're two sort of like different, like uh, uh, they're two completely different approaches, which is like what I love about it. And, You know, like one of them is very like dirty, grimy, like bathroom. Like she's holding a knife up to the guy's throat. Yes. (laughs) I remember that one now. And then the other one is her and Yukio and they're flying and (laughs) there's this like this vapor trail thing in the back and then it opens up in the middle of it and there's a city that he's drawn into it. And I looked at it and I was like, how how did he do that?
2: (laughs) That's a cool one because. You know, like the anthology work, I do commissions so rarely, or I don't even do them anymore, but that was definitely a bridge stylistically to catalyst comics, I think. really? Yeah, because uh, so for you know, maybe we can post these up, but the the one where storm's in the bathroom and it's kind of grimy, that was me sort of during Dogs of Mars," which was a really crazy comic because I didn't really go into that, but I was in a huge depression when I drew that book and I, you know, I was getting paid, not even minimum wage to do it. And I had to do two books at once. And so I was just like, in this really frantic, scratchy state. And I, you know, part of it is a conscious decision to shift my art from book to book. But some of it is just, just what happens. Mm -hmm. But the second one, I distinctly remember everything sort of clearing up in my mind a bit more and everything got a little bit more balloony and, uh, sort of softer and uh i i definitely think that those two pieces uh really reflect those two different projects
1: oh my god okay so see like i had already had like a lot of sentiment behind those pieces anyway because they just capture these two completely like you said different aspects of the character and to know that it's like you know that it's very personal for you that like that's that actually means a lot man that's actually really cool
2: well, hey man, I you know I appreciate it when people uh, buy art off me at shows because believe it or not, I I actually don't do a whole lot of business. I mean, I go to heroes and I you know I I turn a little bit of a profit, but you know those those few commissions I get are far and in between. So I I love to draw at cons. So if you find me or if anybody's listening, and you find me at a show. I'd I'd love to draw it for you. Don't <laughs> ask me to do it at home.
0: That that storm flying that that thing's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I just, yeah, looked, I, just with, uh, that. I just looked at I just pulled the Yukio. Yukio. Right? Yeah, I just I just pulled that up. That's that's freaking awesome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that the background in that piece was actually sort of the nucleus for Sovereign because it was it was just sort of I do a lot of backgrounds exactly like that in the book. And uh, you know, sorry to keep this going, but I I will keep I have, talking know, forever. This is so awesome, we love talking, man. <laughs> <laughs> I have a thing when I close my eyes, you know not. I've, I've alluded to this, but I have a few like mental issues. But uh, when when I close my eyes, often I, when, if I visualize something, it shrinks and it shrinks to the point where it just becomes microscopic. And uh, it's actually been a big influence on my art, yeah. where you'll have these sort of extreme JoJo bizarre adventure, you know, distorted <laughs> close up But my backgrounds are actually the most intimate part of my art, just because me drawing these little miniature pictures, because that's just what comes naturally to my brain. Like, it's actually a real struggle for me to blow up my art, and I think that if I hadn't had that training of being a muralist and having to work at, you know, any any size, I, I probably wouldn't be able to do it, or I'd be drawing a lot smaller, and my art would be completely different. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so, so that Yukio piece has that sort of miniature background, and uh, I ended up thinking about that a lot when I was starting up
1: sovereign that so just so everybody knows <laughs> i have some some wicked fucking art <laughs> like i have some wicked art from paul and i mean maybe you'll get lucky and you'll have some good stuff in your collection like mine but i don't know man that that's that just the fact that it ties into a you know a lot of the work that you've done it just really really resonates with with me man i I, I don't know man I, like that just brings a whole new aspect to my collection so I, i'm Oh, and
2: did, didn't a, I do that because
1: I felt bad? Wasn't I? Wasn't I being more? <laughs> I think, he totally felt bad, like you. And I was like, "Man, I feel like I'm. You know, I feel like I'm robbing you at, at this point." Like he's like, "No, nah, man, I, I, I want to do something because I feel bad for you know making you wait like a year." And I was like, "You know, this is." <laughs> I was like, you know, this is. I mean, this this is not necessary, but I, you know, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> so. No, I never say yeah. no. <laughs> I know. Why would you say no to something like that? Hey, dude, I've just seen you, mean, do you it, a badass piece of art. Um, do you want another one? <laughs>
2: sure. Well, you know, people have been really generous with me, uh, with their artwork. Like every time I see Guy Davis, he gives me a page from BPRD. Like oh. <laughs> I feel bad that oh. I keep taking them. Oh. But uh, or like Nathan Fox. Like Nathan Fox is the first guy I ever swapped art with, and um, if you read Aqualung, there's this. I actually, well, not to get too much into how that worked, but I, I ended up writing quite a bit of it myself. And there was this one scene that I had written where it's this, uh, I think it's a four to five page splash and it's a reveal of like a giant eel. And when you turn the last page, it's the eye opening. Right. And, uh, I, huh. That was one of my favorite, favorite, favorite scenes in the book. And I, I, I definitely gave that to Nathan Fox, but I definitely have some of Nathan's. Finest pieces from uh, his Brian Wood collaborations and some other stuff.
1: You know, I mean, if I was good enough to trade with people, <laughs> yeah, I'd be leveraging it too.
2: Well, Nathan, Nathan's amazing, and he works in that. Like his art is huge.
1: Yeah, it's like 13 by 19. It's like it's huge. It is. It, it really is. It's like he just gives you like the a, a door off of his house that he's painted or, or you know inked.
2: Oh yeah, no, it's crazy, and I mean, it's it's it's. Sort of comical, him walking around with that giant portfolio. <laughs> I, I don't even know how he messes with that on a plane.
1: Oh yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Even, I wouldn't even want to dream about that. And he's like this As unassuming you know, guy. He's not like very loud or you know boisterous or whatever. In my experiences with him, it's so like it's just funny. Like you said, it's comical to see him kind of like this quiet dude carrying around a poster board <laughs> with, this, with this art on it. At this
0: point, I can't stop looking at all of your art that I can find on the internet, so I'm probably just going to keep doing that after we're done talking. <laughs> so you actually, you've you done pages... You did pages for Atomic Robo? Is that oh, what's yeah, on here?
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, cool. I actually, I want to work with Brian on another project, but we just haven't really had time to get too much into it. Yeah. But um, I met Scott Wagner before either of us were drawing comics because we were just hanging out with Mike Oming once, so it was weird to... You know, Ow. see our career paths sort of meet up again like that. <laughs>
0: that's awesome.
2: Oh yeah. So the thing that I, I did want to point out, yeah, and I say I don't do commissions, yeah. but if you want to buy some art from me, mm-hmm. I, oh. I am uh, part of Out of Step Art, and uh, Neil Ramlett actually has a ton of my original work, and uh, I He's don't a actually really
1: good guy too.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you know, if anybody was thinking that you know they wish they could buy some of my work, that's that's definitely the place to do it, and plus. They have guys like Nathan Fox, yeah, and uh, Alexis, and a bunch of other
0: great artists there. Yeah, I was actually um, when I was going through the comic art fans work, and I, I saw the Out of Step art, and I was like, I need to remember to ask about that. So I did not, and you did, so that's awesome.
2: <laughs> I- <laughs> I feel like the, the last uh, few people from Out of Step have forgotten to talk about Neil, and that guy does so much huffling. Yeah, <laughs> out of the goodness of his heart. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. He's,
1: that's he's a uh, really that's, good guy. That's two, uh, two Out of Step guys that we've had on now. Yeah. so uh, We had uh, Andrew, Andrew. McLean on not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I, I did a pin-up for the new head lopper.
0: Yeah, I saw that, too. I, I was going to ask about that as well. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And Andrew, them, yeah. Andrew's. A, I met Andrew because he contacted me on DeviantArt because he had the same job I did for Whole Foods.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say Andrew's out of uh, out of Massachusetts too.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, I never met any of these guys. Actually, a lot of a lot of people from Out of Step are from Boston because Ming Doyle is there, and uh, Logan is somewhere I think in Boston. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, that's very odd coincidence, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Andrew, Andrew's in the
0: yeah, he was really good too. All right,
3: now I'm cutting this off.
1: No, thank you, uh, thank you very you much, better. Paul. Yeah, thank you so much, man. You've been awesome,
0: and uh, definitely look forward to, um, like I said, catching up with you and and meeting you in person finally, and, and hopefully getting a chance to talk to you at HeroesCon this year. Yeah,
2: yeah. Hey, well, thanks again, guys. I really appreciate it.
0: Awesome,
1: thank no problem, you, man. It's a ton of fun. <laughs> Bye, Paul.
2: Hi, man. Bye, Paul. All right, catch you later. Yeah.